the house of the Lord and be able to join us virtually right now. We want to lift up glorified praise to our Father and thank Him for His strength that He gives us. Strength during the times of pandemics and crises that He knows that we are still His. And we thank Him for that. So wherever you are, feel free to join us as we worship our Father who is our strength.
great little Zion this is the day that the Lord has made let us rejoice and be glad within it we welcome you to this hour of worship where we want to share on this special Sunday which is second Sunday our youth Sunday and what I want to do is to make sure that on this Sunday the sermon is specifically directed toward our youth and it may be a word to assist them in their life's journey as well I want to pick up from something that our youth were engaged in a couple Saturdays ago in the Saturday morning Sunday school time in which they were looking at Proverbs chapter 9, Proverbs chapter 9, and they were looking at the entire chapter, and I think that chapter is entitled Doing the Right Thing. That's what I think the lesson was, and I just want to pick up off of that when I was involved in listening to the youth on that Sunday morning. I found a couple of nuggets that I wanted to share, 
in the lesson and I wanted to transmit it to the sermon. So here we go. Get your Bibles and let's turn to Proverbs chapter 9. I'm not going to read the passage, but instead I'm just going to point out several critical things that I think I want them to make sure they know and that it can be of great deal to them in their life's journey. So when we look at this chapter, there's really a simple direction to which the writer is intending for us to go. It's really an extension of what Jesus gives us in Matthew 7, 13, and 14. And he gives us this contrast between two roads. The first road is a broad and wide road, and he says there will be many found on that road. And that's because that road is popular. That road is often um, publicized. That road has all of the encroachments and the entrapments. That road is quite fulfilling. It's quite enduring. It's satisfying. But it also can have some very dangerous curves and dangerous context and dangerous decisions within it as well that as the writer of Proverbs says that could lead to destruction. Then there's the road says Jesus that's narrow. It's narrow and few will be on it or few will find it. And that's because the narrow road involves not only sacrifice, but it may involve frustration, it may involve agony, it may involve um, the ideas that are not the most popular, it may involve, of course, anchoring your life in a particular belief system that's contrary to the broader road. There are a few on there because it takes endurance and perseverance to remain on that road. In the Old Testament, the same idea comes to life in this ninth chapter of Proverbs. You can also see it in full-blown view in the book of Ecclesiastes. But in Proverbs chapter 9, we have two directions. And both of them are led by, quote, unquote, lady. Now, it's called lady because the word wisdom comes out of the Greek word sophia, which really is pronounced as a feminine noun. So that's why it's called Lady Wisdom. And then there's a second person in the text, Lady Folly. Both of them have two roads that they will lead an individual on if they so choose to join on the journey. It's called that, again, because it causes one to have to decide which direction in life they are going to take. Now, the key verse in Proverbs chapter 9 is verse 10. That's the key verse. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. If you listen closely, that's the key. That's the clincher. That's the one verse that opens up the understanding of both the previous nine verses as well as the, the uh, following, what, eight verses as well. It's the hinge pin. It causes the reader to understand there are two directions in life. One's good, one's bad, and the question becomes, which direction are you going to go? Now, all I'm going to do is share a few contrasts in the text, and we can make the most of that, and then I'll be done. 
Just a few contrasts, and we have to make the most of that. Notice what verse 1 says of chapter 9 of Proverbs. It says that wisdom has built up her house. Now, there's a suggestion there that the word built up may be better translated setting up. It may be in the present tense, or in the Hebrew, it's called hewing out. It means it's a constant labor a process of building out of a stone what's going to become the foundation of your habitation. And the first thing I want to say is that when we talk about wisdom, we're trying to help you build a strong foundation. And the question becomes, what do I build my foundation out of? The folly of the world or the wisdom of God? the folly of the world or the wisdom of God. She has carved in that hewing out process, says verse one, seven, seven columns. Now, I'm not going to spend time telling you what those seven columns mean because scholars tell us they mean a lot of different things. But one thing is for certain, we can elude those seven columns to the possibility of Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42 and concluding in verse 47, where it provides for us these various, quote unquote, metaphor columns of how the New Testament church began in building what the church will be. Column number one, the apostles' teaching, a foundation in the word of God. Column number two, fellowship being involved in the lives of one another, or having people involved in your life that is like-minded. Number three, communion, the breaking of bread, having someone so close that they are your intimate persons in the sense that they got your back. You know that they're looking out for your best interests. That's what you want in life. So you have to be careful how you measure friendship because you're looking for these anchoring points that will help strengthen your foundation as you build your life. And this message is really for probably those who are either in high school or on your way out, beginning to make that leap into a new dimension of life called college or even perhaps career choice. And it also may be for those who are just graduating from college and you're making your life out into the real world, and now you have to start building your life on a solid foundation. And any builder will tell you a good house will last the storms of life, will last the difficulties even in the shaking of the earth when it has a strong, solid foundation. And verse one tells us that, that wisdom, lady wisdom, is about building a strong, solid foundation that it might support the building in which it is attempting to construct. Now, notice also that in the story, each, each offered road to life's journey offers a banquet. Look at verse 2. She has prepared a great banquet mixed with the wines and set the table. The same is offered in a very different sense 
in verse 17. Stolen water is refreshing. Food is eaten or food in secret tastes the best. Here's the difference. In one, the banquet is public. She invites everyone. Nothing is hid. All is unveiled because Lady Wisdom has nothing to hide. But in the second one, it's private. It's private because there's a concealment. There's an attempt to defraud. There's an attempt to derail. There's an attempt to destroy. There's an attempt to deconstruct you. And you have to watch life's presentation in terms of its journeys because Lady Wisdom says, I want you to come to the table. She serves wine, but it's mixed. It's mixed because the intention is not to get you intoxicated. The intention is to stretch what's there, but also still allow you to enjoy the endearment that the partaking of wine is intended to do. And she sets the table because her pursuit is about inviting people to come and share in communion. If we go back to Acts chapter 2, they not only had communion, but they had prayer. They had that breaking of bread. They had community. They had signs and wonders, and they were praising God. And at the table of wisdom, all of that can coexist. But in that private table of Lady Folly, that would not be known because it would be too much in the direction of truth. So each has a banquet of celebration after completion of the building. There's a contrast throughout the text in terms of wisdom and folly. They need to build a foundation. And the question becomes, who are you building and what are you building your life on? Listen to verse 9. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser. Teach the righteous and they will learn even more. Where are you extracting your wisdom and direction from for your life? Who's pouring into you? Who have you permitted to have your ear? Notice they both are trying to attract what the text calls a simple person. And verse 3 and 4, look what the text says. Both of them have this invitation that they give. Look at verse 3 and 4. She calls out from the height overlooking the city. She has sent her servants to invite everyone to come. And then drop down to verse 14. She sits in her doorway on the height overlooking the city. And look at verse 16. Come in with me. She urges the simple to those who lack good judgment. Now, you, you may say, what's the difference? Well, they both are looking for the simple, and the simple really does mean those who may not be quite as astute, may not be quite as wise, may not be quite as sharp. They may not possess the street smarts. They don't know because they have not had the experiences of life. Instead, they may be just reaching for the stars, unbeknowing of the dangers, without informing themselves of what they're doing. And Lady Wisdom says, I invite you, and I'm inviting you 
because I know you already lack good judgment. Now, it could be a suggestion that she has recognized that you've made mistakes in the past and she wants to help you curve those mistakes. That's great, not a problem. That person's interested in trying to build you up or as Lady Folly says, she urges you, the simple, to come because she knows you lack good judgment as well. But the motive is different. Lady Folly wants to entrap you and take you down the path of self-destruction. Both are well visible because they have a hyphen position that might increase what one might define as a temptation. Look at verse 3 again. She calls out from the heights overlooking the city. Look at verse 14, Lady Folly. She sits in her doorway on the heights overlooking the city. What's the difference? There's a suspicion, at least literary, by the writer that Lady Wisdom in verse 3 is standing while Lady Folly in verse 14 is sitting. And you might ask, what's the difference? There's a big difference. In the standing, there's the presentation of direction. There's the physical, visual invitation, as if one has open arms, to come and follow me. It's almost analogous of what Jesus does when he goes around and begins to call disciples. He doesn't sit at the booth. In fact, when he finds Matthew, he is sitting. He is sitting at the booth of customs, but he tells him, come follow me. And as a result, Matthew follows, but Jesus is standing because his invitation in its physical depiction is much more impressive. While Lady Folly is sitting, and sitting might be arguably sitting in the context of narcissism, of arrogance, believing that she could trap you by the mere presence of who she is, all because she's sitting high, elevated, and lifted on the throne. As I said earlier, both of them give you an invitation to come and walk or run on their course of life, but both of them also have rewards. Rewards. Look at verse 8. So don't bother correcting mockers, they will only hate you, but correct the wise and they will love you. Look at also, in verse 18, but little do they know that the dead are there, her guests are in the depths of the grave. What, what does that say? Easy. Lady Wisdom, in verse 8 through 10, makes it clear that the reward of making a decision to follow in the steps of righteousness can only expand and grow your life. Lady Folly says, you don't even know, but when you choose me, you are actually choosing a context that is composed of death. Even while you're sitting at the table, you're sitting at a table with death. And you are not aware that you're even sitting there. So let me say this in my closing moment of trying to contrast this text. Life tends to be threefold. One, simple. It's simple because you can actually survive 
by exercising what our elders would call common sense. And common sense just simply says we're looking at this carpet and we might say that it's blue. The main thing is we're going to say it's carpet. Now something contrary might suggest it's not carpet, it's something otherwise. But probably nine out of 10, I might even argue 10 out of 10 would say this is carpet because of common sense. The sensory of sight reveals that this is, car this is carpet. But someone may think otherwise. And that's the risk that you can take thinking otherwise. But life can be lived in a simple lane. Life can also be seductive. Lady Folly can create so many scenarios that they not only look promising, but they are rewarding and gratifying. And you have to be careful. Who you hang out with, who you converse with, who becomes close associates on your journey. And then life can be successful. Even the wicked experience success, but it becomes a question of not only the acquisition of success, but the experience of that success. So young people, I came to tell you this. Here is my three points I want you to take away. Life is composed of choices. Make sure you pay attention to the choices that you make. That's what Proverbs 9 is all about. Which choice are you going to embrace? Lady wisdom or lady folly? Secondly, life is about consequences. Your choices will have consequences, good and bad. The issue becomes when you make good choices and the consequences that may come to you may not be of the best, it may not be your fault. You then yet have the energy to live with it because you know that you had no contribution to that kind of consequence. But if you choose to ride on the road of lady folly, your consequences could be devastating. It can destroy you. You may never recover. You may live a lifelong journey in agony. Life is about choices. Life is about consequences. And then life is about convictions. You've got to believe in something. Something is going to direct your life. Something is going to help you make decisions about life. Something's going to control you. And I want to offer today, choose lady wisdom. Choose the word of God. I'll close with this word from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. When you make lady wisdom your choice, you trust in the Lord with all your heart. You lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways you acknowledge God. And what God will do in return is direct your path. Jesus gave us an example of how not to choose lady folly. 
in Matthew 4 when he is tempted by the enemy to go against everything that he has in terms of his inner conviction. And you've got to be strong when that moment comes to tempt you to go opposite of what you know is the right thing to do. You've got to be able to tell it as Jesus told the enemy, it is written that I cannot live by physical bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That, my young brothers and sisters, is what I want to challenge you to do today. Get some conviction. Conviction means that there are some things I believe in and I won't compromise. Find out what they are. Stand on them. Everyone will not agree with it. That's not the intent. The intent is to know in your heart that you believe what you believe and you're willing to endure to hold on to that belief. Do the right thing. Make the right choice. I believe Lady Wisdom will better serve you. And when all is said and done, you will reap the benefits of yielding unto her. This is the word of God for God's people. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the time in which we had in the share of the word. And I pray that the young men and women who heard this word, God, whether they be children, young adults, teenagers, whoever, this word in Proverbs 9 is a fitting expression of the gospel. So God, lead them to choose you, to choose life. That's what Moses and that's what Joshua encouraged the people of Israel to do. Choose life and follow after the Lord God that their life may be in the lane of abundance. Bless now, God, somebody today that will come to know you in a very personal way. We'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been one who have listened to this recording and perhaps you have never made a choice for Jesus Christ, this is the day that can be a new day for you. It's a simple choice. A simple choice where you just repeat these words after me. Lord, I recognize today that I'm a sinner and I need your salvation. I ask you to save me where I am. And as a result of that, I will follow you until you take me into eternity. That's the passage of Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. You pray that prayer, salvation is yours. It's just that simple. God will not only save you, but fill you with his power, fill you with his glory, and you'll begin to walk in the destiny to which it has been prepared for you. Let me say to those of you who are members of this congregation and friends, thank you so much as always for being great supporters of Greater Little Zion. We appreciate your contribution and we further encourage you as we do every Sunday to take this time to go and to prepare yourself to give, whether it be by way of text, by your phone, or by e-giving on our church website, or whether you mail your contribution to the church. Again, we receive it each and every way and thank you for all that you're doing to keep us doing the work of God. Have a blessed, wonderful day in the Lord. And always remember, God loves you, and so do I. Keep your head high, and remember that the best is always yet to come. In Jesus' name, amen.